This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. All it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. So next Sunday, Satanists around the world are going to be taking time to raise up altars to their God. And the amazing thing is that just like in the days of Elijah, they can cut themselves, do whatever they need to do for days, weeks, and months on end. All it takes is one prayer meeting in one church with a few people, because if one of us can put a thousand to flight, two of us can send the legions fleeing, amen? So next Sunday evening, we're going to be just canceling, we're going to be pulling down every altar that the devil would attempt to raise during this season of Halloween, amen? And we're going to do that in a few short minutes. We're going to have a normal, we're going to have a normal Sunday service, so it's not going to be all about that. We don't want to glorify the devil, we're just going to take care of business. Is that Okay. So inviting you to be here next Sunday evening. It's really going to be a wonderful time. Praise the Lord. Well, I'd like to thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for the privilege of teaching this evening. It's been, one, it's been a while, and I'm really looking forward to it. So why don't you stand to your feet, and let's open up in prayer and commit these next 30 minutes to the Lord Jesus. Father, as we come before you this evening in the wonderful, matchless name of Jesus, we thank you tonight, Lord God, that at the entry of your word comes and brings light. And that light just dispels all darkness. There's no amount of discouragement, no amount of stress, no amount of panic, no amount of lack that has ever scared you off. And so tonight we call upon that name, Jesus, and we thank you that we'll be blessed. Tonight I pray, Lord God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be found pleasing in your sight. And everybody that agreed said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Won't you greet somebody and then you can take your seats. The title of my message for those of you that are taking notes this evening is Soaring with God. Another title, I suppose, would be um, Stress-Free Living. How many of you have gotten up in the morning? Something's happened. It's just set your wheel alignment off and you've got this funny feeling that today's just not going to be a great day. Have you, has anybody ever woken up like that? Something's happened and you know, listen, unless God intervenes, today's not going to be my best day. Can I see your hands? Anybody here? I'll give you some examples. I mean, for example, you wake up and you open your email and your first email there is a big red letter of demand. We want money yesterday. How many of you don't get out of bed reading something like that and say, hey, babe, guess what? We've got, another, we've got another account. Isn't that wonderful? Or perhaps things are really bad and you call the suicide hotline and they put you on hold. Or Pastor Johnny, your birthday cake collapses under the weight of the candles. You know it's not going to be a good day. Or perhaps your twin brother or sister Forget your birthday. It's getting, it's not going to be a good day. Pastor Greg, you wake up to discover your waterbed is broken. Then you realize you don't have a waterbed. Personal joke. Now, it's days like these, like those that prompt messages like these. And days like that create tension, anxiety, nervousness. The modern day term for that is, is stress. So what is stress? I heard a man once define stress as the gap between what we face and what we think we can face. It's that gap. It's a difference in what we believe we must do 
versus what we believe we can do. It's that huge canyon between ought to and the belief that I can't do. Basically, a medical doctor put it simply this way. A person's stress levels has to do with what a person believes fundamentally. Stress can be related or reduced to what someone believes. Now, there is ancient advice that was given to us almost 3,000 years ago through a prophet named Isaiah. Now, contextually speaking, Israel was in a desperate state. They were stressed. Everyone else was stressed. And yet Isaiah comes and gives us this divine prescription for stress that comes directly from the heart of God. And that's what I want to focus on, or a portion of that this evening. So when life becomes unbearable, and I'm not saying anyone's life here tonight is unbearable, perhaps someone watching online, when life becomes unbearable, the storm perhaps gets too strong. Your rope of hope has been cut in half, and you feel like throwing in the towel. This is how you can enjoy stress-free living. The title, Soaring with God, I wanted it to create an image in your mind of what it must be like to soar above every circumstance that is adverse. I remember once I, was, I went to Mozambique to go diving to a place called Vilanculos, and we took off at Grand Airport in a little Cessna. There were four of us in the plane. It wasn't a big plane, single prop. And I remember as we came out of Johannesburg, we had to divert course because this huge storm was beginning to build up. The pilot's name was Richard. He was a friend of mine. And I, and I saw this huge cloud extending up into the heavens. And I thought, dear Lord, Robo Shakara Masinda And I said, Richard, what are we going to do? And it's amazing how that plane, without a bump, just managed to soar over those clouds. It was, let me tell you, the storm was beautiful because I wasn't in it. It was magnificent as I looked down on it. So the image I wanted to create with this title is simply that whatever it is that you think you might be in or what you might be heading towards or what you might have come out of can actually be quite a beautiful thing when you soar above it. And that is only possible through Jesus. It's only possible through Jesus. So here we have this formula from Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. And you know this verse well. It goes like this. But those who wait on the Lord. Now, I am going to assume tonight that everyone here knows how to wait on the Lord. I taught a message some years ago on how to wait on the Lord. Now, there's a right way to wait on God, and there's a wrong way to wait on God. I learned through virtue of the illustration I'm about to share with you, how to wait in the right way. Myself, Pastor Greg, Pastor Johnny, and Pastor Jenny, we travel to America on an annual basis. We haven't been, but we're going now next week, actually, um, to spend some time with Apostle Theo. And the one afternoon, it was a Saturday morning, we'd been shopping, and Joel and Christina Gunn, who are members of Christian Family Church San Antonio, took us out for the day. We got home at about one o'clock, I would guess, from shopping and getting what we needed to do, and they were going to take us out for dinner. So as we were getting out the car, they dropped us off at the pork cashier. I think it was either Pastor Johnny or myself. We said to Joel and Christina, we said, hey, guys, we'll see you now now. And they said, okay, great. And we went up to our rooms. We arranged to meet for dinner at 6 p.m. Anyway, we came down at 6 p.m., and Joel and Christina were sitting in the, in the lounge area waiting for us, but we noticed that they hadn't changed. 
So we said, why didn't you, why'd you stay in your clothes? Why didn't you freshen up? They said, no, no, you said you were going to be down here now, now. For American, now, now is like now, now. It's really quickly. So what they did was they went and parked the car and they came and sat and waited for us. They waited well because I can promise you now, if that was me, I would have phoned up to the room after two hours. Phoned and said, hey guys, could you clarify what now, now means? Because I've been now, now for two hours and now is definitely not now. I would have phoned, but they waited well. There's a valuable lesson in that, you know. God sometimes or often says, listen, this is what I'm going to do now, now. Our responsibility is to sit and relax and wait as if now, now is now, now kind of thing, you know. So you can wait incorrectly. They waited correctly. Bless their hearts, they wasted a lot of time. But eventually we came down and we enjoyed a wonderful dinner together. So Isaiah says that the first key, if you want to get to the place where you saw with God, is that you have to wait on the Lord. And the Bible promises four shells. There's four shells in this verse. Number one, he says, you shall renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So shall renew strength, shall mount up with wings like eagles, shall run and not be weary, shall walk and not faint. I want to focus on shall mount up with wings as eagles. Now the eagle is mentioned 28 times in the Hebrew in the Old Testament. It appears more, it's mentioned more than any other bird in the entire Bible. Specifically so, eagles are important to God. In actual fact, one of the four cherubim in heaven has the face of an eagle. What really started stirring this message in my heart was about a month and a half ago, my wife and I were in Zimbabwe doing pastoral training, and we stayed in a place called Kumbashiri Bird Park. Gary, wonderful guy. If you're watching online, Gary, although I doubt it because you're a JW, he's a Jehovah's Witness, but if you are watching online, good for you. But we met this guy, Gary, he happens to head up the work of the Jehovah's Witnesses, and we really hit it off. But he owns and runs this bird park. And he's got this one fish eagle called Bigfoot that he's reared since it was small. Christine and I would get up every morning, we'd pray, read the word, and we'd just go sit in front of this fish eagle's den. He would fly in every night. They would tether him to the, to the, um, to the pole or to the, 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 the tree stump, and he would sit there the whole night, and every morning he'd wake us up 5.30. You know, fish, I'm not going to try it. But you know how fish eagle cries. And he does this with his head. I was fascinated at how perfect God had created this eagle. And it got me thinking about it, and that's where this message was actually birthed out of. Because every day, twice a day, he would actually feed this fish eagle and his falcons. He's a professional, world-famous falconer. He spent time with David Attenborough. How many of you know David Attenborough is? He does all the BBC series. So, so that's what stirred me. And the, and the thing that's significant about the eagle is there's few animals in the Bible that God compares both himself with and Christians. So over here in Isaiah, Isaiah 40 verse 31, he says, you will renew your strength, you shall mount up with wings like eagles. So God over here says, we're like eagles. If we wait on him, we will become like this raptor, like this apex predator, which is not hunted or eaten by anything. That'll preach. Eagles are out of reach of every enemy, 
of every other predator. It's no wonder God says you will become like eagles. So you might be on the doorstep of something that you think is about to devour you. I've got news for you. You're an apex predator. You, are, you eat, you're never eaten. Say that, I eat, I'm never eaten. Say it again, I eat, I'm, I'm never eaten. Praise the Lord. So here he compares us to eagles. But now in Exodus 19 and verse 4, this is what it says. And now the context of this verse is three months the Israelite had left, they'd left the world. They'd left Egypt. They'd left that 430 years of slavery. And they were about to go into the Sinai Desert. They thought it was going to be an 11-day journey. It ended up being 40 years. But God knew that they were going to disobey him. God knew exactly that the Israelites were going to spend an extended period of time in the wilderness. And you might be here today, and you might not be in your wilderness for 40 years, but it's coming on 39 point something. Or at least that's how it feels. And so God, knowing what they're going to go through, says to Moses, this is what I want you to speak to the people on my behalf. And Moses says this, or God says this through Moses, have you seen what I did to your captors? Did you see what I did to the world that oppressed you for 430 years? Did you see what I've done to your enemies? Did you see what I've done to the Egyptians and how I bore you up on eagles' wings and brought you to myself? The point I'm making over here, that unlike most animals in the Bible, God compares the way we should live our lives and the characteristics we should have and what God has, God should, God has both as eagles. You can bring up that one picture. So what I want to do for the purpose of this message tonight, and I really want to encourage you, I want to take a look at seven things that we can learn from the eagle as an apex predator. And I'm going to go through this quickly because I want to get to the final two that I believe is going to bless you tonight. And I know the Lord is going to under, underpin where many people find themselves currently right now. So the first thing and the reason why God would compare us to eagles is because eagles fly alone. Eagles fly alone and at high altitude. They don't fly with sparrows, they don't fly with ravens, and they don't fly with other birds. So the meaning of this simply is this, that, and as I looked at this, this fish eagle in the cage, the little chicks were not like shimming up to him and cuddling and everything. I mean, he stood alone. There was a clearing around him people knew that they were dealing with an apex predator. There was respect there. So when the Bible says that we are to be like eagles, but God is saying, listen, stop messing around with chickens. Eagles fly with eagles or they fly alone. The Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. So you want to talk about living a stress-free life. Get rid of the people around your life that are chicken mentality. As believers, if you want to fly with eagles, then you've got to distance yourself between those. And there is a time that comes where you know who the people are in your life that are pulling you down. You've got to cut the apron strings. There's plenty examples in Scripture where people had to walk the plank, Jonah being one of them. Sometimes it's time to cut off those relationships. I'm amazed, Pastor Johnny, how many Christians who are in difficulty go to their friends for advice. They go to their broke friend who spends all his money driving a new GTI but can't afford clothes to for financial advice. Listen to me, guys. A drowning person can't help a drowning person. If you're drowning, 
in some area of your life, whether it be finances, whether it be relationships, whether it be your walk with God, the last thing you want to do is go to someone who's already failing the test just simply because, you know, we tight. A drowning person can't help a drowning person. But you know why we don't want to go to people who aren't drowning sometimes? Because they're going to tell us things we don't like. The reasons chickens don't eventually fly with eagles because it's too high, it takes too much effort. It's just easier walking on the ground. So stay away from narrow-minded people, those that bring you down. Eagles fly with eagles. This is what God meant by this. Now, interestingly, in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 12, God gives this instruction in the law to the Israelites, and he says this, but these you shall not eat, the eagle. So think about that. If God wouldn't allow the Jews to eat an eagle, he's not going to allow anybody else to eat one. So if you're an eagle, there's a scriptural proof, guess what, that you don't get eaten, you just eat. When I got up in the morning at 5.30 and that fish eagle did its call and I walked up to the fence, the mesh fence, it was like, he wasn't like, you know, bashful and shy. He wasn't backward. Eagle's posture is just something else. You can bring up that picture again because I think I want that really imprinted in your mind. I mean, look at that. Isn't that majestic? That's how the Lord says we are to be. As far as Christianity is concerned, that's the kind of position and the posture that God wants us to take in this life. Christians are not chickens. We're not ducks. We're eagles. The second thing is that eagles have crystal clear vision. This was amazing. He would let Bigfoot out, and Bigfoot would fly all the other way to the side of the lake, and he'd put a small little piece of chicken on a rope, and he'd swing the rope like this. What? How did he used to call him, baby? Chop, chop. So he would scream out. The fish eagle, you could hardly see the fish eagle on the other side, and he'd fling this thing over his head, and he'd say, chop, chop. And this fish eagle would listen, would hear him, and he would come swooping in over the lake like this. It's something incredible to watch. And he would fling this chicken up, and this eagle would just grab this thing in flight, and he'd go sit and perch himself, and he'd, his focus was unbelievable. The thing about, a, they say that an eagle has got 20-20 vision from five miles away. And let me just say this on a personal note as I speak about and compare vision. If you do not have a visionless parent will only ever produce a visionless child. A visionless leader will only ever reproduce visionless members. Jesus said, if a blind man leads a blind man, what happens? Both fall into a pit. So my question to you is, what is your vision? And if your children don't have, if your children do not have a vision, they're gonna look for vision in you. So what is your vision in your walk with God? What is your vision as far as being responsible and fulfilling something in the kingdom of God is concerned? What is the vision for your family? What is the vision for your education? Where are you going? The Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2, he says this, listen, make your vision plain, write it down on tablets. Why? So that they may run who see it. If your vision is too short-sighted, you're going to start running and guess what? It's going to be behind you. Your vision must be so significant, so specific, that it's always ahead of you. Let me tell you, when I came to Christian Family Church, I, when I came up to Johannesburg, I wanted to go to Rhema. I'd watched Pastor Ray McCauley on TV, and I thought, listen, when I get you, it was October 19, it was January 1991. 
came to South African Airways to do a job. And I said, you know what? That's it. When I get up here, I'm going to Rayma. I drove past the signboard on the freeway, how to avoid being caught in the 666 web, this big tarantula. I thought, that looks interesting. So I came to Christian Family Church. When I came into Christian Family Church, I noticed a big black and gold board overhead. Now, I was, I'd come from a full gospel background, so I was looking for something. I, was, I couldn't articulate it, but I knew if I saw it, I'd be there. If I could just get someone with a vision, I didn't have one of my own. If I could just get someone with a vision, I knew I would, be, I would be sold. And as I looked over my head, I'll never ever forget, in big black and gold writing, remember Pastor Greg? The vision or the mission of Christian Family Church to bring people into the family of Jesus Christ. I thought, hey, I'm here. Develop them to spiritual maturity. I, w- I want to develop. Equip them for their work in the ministry. I needed equipping in order to magnify God's name or glorify God's name. The vision right over there was plain, written in tablets. Guess what? I began to run, and I've been running ever since. Because guess what? That vision is immortal. It is eternal. We are still bringing people into the family of Jesus Christ, developing them to spiritual maturity, equipping them for their work in the ministry in order to magnify God's name. When we talk about stress-free living, let me tell you what. You become more stressed and distracted when you don't have a vision. And that's the difference between an eagle and a crow. You know, it's been proven that crows like shiny things. They get so easily distracted. An eagle is not distracted. That chicken was winding around. People are shouting. People are clapping. That eagle's vision is straight, and it's true. A crow, if they see a shiny ring, they'll detract from what they were doing and say, ha ha, something shiny. In actual fact, crows collect distractions. You go to a crow's nest, you'll find sparkly little things in it all the time. I'm going to show you a picture just now that's quite humorous, and it's not photoshopped to prove a point that you can either be an eagle or you can be a crow. I'm just dealing with practicalities this evening. So when we talk about an eagle having a crystal clear vision, we're talking about remaining focused no matter what obstacles come your way. When Job and God are conversing in the book of Job, God says this to Job. Interesting conversation. He says to Job in Job 39 verses 26, does the hawk fly by your wisdom and spread its wings towards the south? Does the eagle mount up at your command and make its nest on high? And now he goes on to say, on the rock it dwells and resides. On the crag of the rock and the stronghold, from there it spies out the prey, its eyes observe the altar. Metaphorically speaking, God is saying, if you want your vision to be true, you better make sure you are securely rooted on the rock. They'll often, create, they'll often build their nests in rocks. Do you know an eagle's nest lasts up to 200 years? They'll come back and nest at that thing, that same thing every time. It's, let me tell you, you better find a home and you better belong and you better come back to that home because eagles are undistracted. They don't go from church to church to church, move from nest to nest to nest to nest. They have a home where they belong and if it lasts 200 years, they'll come back to it every single time. Be rooted, amen? Be established. We learn this from the life of an eagle. The next thing is, the third one is that eagles mature, and I'm gonna speed it up a bit. Eagles mature at stage just like believers. Did you know that it takes an eagle from birth up till five years for it to be fully matured? 
Its plumage changes time and time again as it matures. I really believe that the comparison drawn in Scripture here is that a believer should come to maturity with at least within five years. Its beak goes from black to gold or from black to yellow. Do you know what yellow, the color yellow speaks of? Optimism, hope, and joy. I believe the beak speaks about your mouth. And at five years, being a Christian, you better be mature enough to watch what you say. That's what Pastor Theo was speaking about this morning. Amen? But the principle is that it takes five years to mature. The meaning of this is simply that we occasionally need to shed off old habits. We occasionally need to share off old habits no matter how difficult it is. Things that burden us or add no value to our lives, we've just got to let it go. Let the past be the past. Philippians 3, chapter, chapter 3 and verse 13 is the reference I've left there. I want to move on to the next one, and these notes are available on your app. This is so interesting. The fourth thing about eagles is that they only feed on live prey. Eagles don't go after what's dead. The reason and the message that the Lord is sending us over here very clearly is simply this. Don't rely on past revelation. Don't rely on past successes. Keep looking for new frontiers to conquer. Leave your past where it belongs in the past. Psalm 103 verse 5 says this. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like what? So when we speak about eagles feed on live prey, Listen to me, the Word of God must be your first and foremost resource. You must read the Word of God more than you do Instagram, more than you do Facebook, more than you do articles about the Bible, more than you do books about the Bible. You must feed off the living and enduring Word of God, according to Hebrews 4 verse 12. His Word is living and active. Eagles only eat living prey. They don't live off yesterday's carcass. It's fresh. You see, God is very intentional, folks. God is very intentional when he compares us to specific creatures and draws those attributes out. The fifth one is that eagles love a storm. This is about perspective. Can someone say perspective? I'm talking about how to live a stress-free life. We've looked at a few things. Cast off bad habits. Get rid of old people, old relationships that are pulling you down. Spend time in the Word of God. And I know you've heard all of this before. I know you have. But when it comes from a different perspective, in God's creation, surely it should resonate and remind us even more so. So listen to this. When clouds gather, eagles actually get excited. They actually get excited. When trouble starts to brew, they actually go, <laughs> you see, if you, you're actually posturing yourself because you're rooted in the rock, you know, in the crag of the rock, you're ready. You see those clouds beginning to build because you know what? When the storms come, eagles work less. They don't have to flap their wings anymore because the, 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 up, the upsurge of the thermals is what carries them above it. They don't even have to flap their wings to stay above a storm. And when I conclude with a point today, you're going to be, see exactly why eagles are excited. And I believe that the same excitement is going to be generated in your spirit regardless of where you find yourself right now. You might think you're in an absolute free fall. And that's okay. God may even have put you in the free fall. No, pastor. Let's take a look. We'll take a look. So when the clouds gather, eagles get excited. The eagles use the storm's wind to lift it higher. Once it finds the, the wind of the storm, the eagle uses the raging storm to lift itself above the clouds. This gives an eagle an opportunity to glide without 
any effort. It rests on its wings. In the meantime, all the other birds outside that down are flapping their wings. They're getting all stressed. They're frantically trying to get in their nests and hide. The eagle is just completely. So what is the meaning of this if we speak about, if we speak about this attribute? Number one, face your challenges head on. Don't stick your head in the sand. You've got to know that you are going to emerge better and you are going to emerge stronger. The sixth thing about eagles is that they boot their young out the nests. That's a harsh one. I recently had to do that with my daughter. I love her and she's probably watching online. Couldn't marry the chick off. I love her with all my heart. She's beautiful, Rebecca. She's like night and day and I, I can't, I mean, they, they know my daughter. Pastor Johnny, they, their kids play together. They know, ex Rebecca knows Rebecca. I couldn't marry this chick off. She was born beautiful. The only thing that matched her beauty was her attitude. So 24th of December, three years ago, when she was waving her finger in my face, I said to pack your bags, Christmas Eve, <gasps> Pastor Andre, you're not a man of God. No, no, I am. No, 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 make no mistake. It was time for me to go. I felt like an eagle. Then she started packing her clothes in the bag. I said, no, 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 I paid for that. You can take this, this, and this. No, seriously, my wife says, where is she going to sleep? I said, the same place Jonah slept, in the belly of a whale. But what happens? You can't let it. I said, no, 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 this is God. I know this is God. She didn't speak to me and Christine for like a month and a half. Next minute we found out, she found her husband. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> she found her husband. She married an incredible guy, Pastor Greg and Tracy. Let me tell you this, and this is going to bring me to, my, to this point over here. Do you know that there comes a time in an in a, in a eaglet's adolescence where, first of all, the, the, the eagle begins to turn up. And this speaks about, I want to be careful how I word this, because in other words, what this point speaks about is that, is that eagles invest in training others. Eagles invest in training others. And this point is very personal to me. You see, I've not led a small group in a very, very long time. I've attended small groups, but I've not led a small group. I took full advantage of this champion men's curriculum to get together as many Portuguese as I could. There we go, Pastor Greg. I just got a whole lot of friends who are Portuguese. It's not because I like them. I just like the way they cook. So <laughs> I like their food. So I got together about 15 guys and I started doing a Zoom meeting. And I promise you, it revived me. If you're not in a small group in this church, hey, I'm a tata fela. Trouble. If you're not in a small group where you are like this eagle, where you are mentoring and training others, guess what? You're an eaglet. It's time you became an eagle. I promise you, it has transformed my life. It's transformed their lives. Guess what? They attend church three times more than they ever did before just because of being involved in a small group. But I want to get back to the point I was making earlier on when I kicked my little eaglet out the, out the nest. So I booted out on the 24th of December. She met an incredible guy. Now, listen, this is the, this is the story behind what happens. And you can go with me in your, in the, in your Bible to Deuteronomy 32 verses 9 through 11. What it says here, it says, for the Lord's portion in his, is his people. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so to speak. Now, now listen here. This is actually what happens in real life. 
An eagle, when it knows it's time for its eaglets to get out the nest, they're comfortable. Let me tell you, comfort never brings change. It just brings more calories and fatness. That's all it brings. Comfort never, ever brings change. So it begins to make the nest uncomfortable. Now, you may know this, but what you don't know is that if the eagle doesn't get eaglet, doesn't get uncomfortable to the point where it jumps out, guess what? The eagle, whose nest is perched on the side of a cliff, kicks the eagle out. It's in free fall. Literally, it's in free fall. You might be here tonight and you think, Pastor Andre, that's exactly why I am. I know how Rebecca felt. <laughs> you kicked her out. I feel like God's kicked me out. You know, kicked out the nest. The eaglet is in free fall. The eagle, the parent, observes the eaglet. And if the eagle cannot soar on itself, the eagle comes in underneath while it's in free fall and it takes this eaglet and scoops it up and it begins to soar. And even though this eagle could not fly itself, it's part of the training phase. And so I'm here, to yet, I'm here tonight to tell you that you might find yourself in free fall, but you don't have to worry because even while there is free falling, the Lord is right next to you. And he's saying to you what he said to Israel. Remember what I did to Egypt. Remember how I brought you up on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. Now, the crazy thing about that picture is that's not an eaglet, it's a crow. Remember I spoke about crows later on. Crows are easily distracted, they got no vision. At least this crow had the sense to observe that this eagle catches up babies every now and then. So guess what? He married himself with someone that has a vision and guess what? They're both gonna end up in the same location. Praise the Lord. I couldn't find a picture with an eaglet on the back of an eagle. This is the one that came up. I mean, what are the odds? So my message simply tonight to each and every one of you, I don't know where you find yourself, but when I talk and teach to you about stress-free living and we look at the life of the eagle, you've got no reason to be concerned. Let me tell you, if you were gonna be defeated, if God was gonna be defeated, it would have happened a long time ago. God's come under far more serious attack in the past than he even is in the present. And God is big enough and he's able enough. And I want you to say that even though you find yourself in a free fall, where you feel completely out of control, where you feel completely ill-equipped to deal with what is about to happen, and it's almost like the ground is getting faster, you're getting faster and the ground is getting closer, quicker than you can control, I want you to know that at just the right time, when the Lord observes and watches. I promise you, Stanley, listen to me nicely. He's going to come in underneath you and he's going to sweep you up. And like the Israelites and like those in the New Testament, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. My point is, you will never fall beyond the Lord's help. He's there for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Actually, just before I pray for those, before I do an altar call, if you're here tonight, if you're here tonight and you're saying, Pastor Andre, I might not be, I need to work on those points, but really, I need the Lord to undertake for me. I believe, I have faith in my heart tonight based upon this message. I have faith in my heart to, tonight to believe that the Lord can just, He can sweep me up at any time. 
And I'm really trusting that tonight is going to be that night. But even if it isn't tonight, it's going to be sometime soon. I'm not going to be lost. I'm not going to be eaten. I'm made of sterner stuff. I'm God's child. I want to pray with you. While you're sitting, just simply raise both hands to the ear in worship. Just reach out your hands to the Lord. As you reach out your hands to the Lord, what you're simply saying is, Lord, I find myself in a free fall. And forgive me, there's been times when I thought, I'm not coming back from this. But tonight I've heard that you are willing, able, and powerful enough that you're watching me every step of the way because I'm your child and you will never leave me nor forsake me. Father, I pray for every single person whose hand is raised tonight. I don't know where they find themselves, Lord God. I don't know whether it's a relational issue. I don't even know whether it's a spiritual issue or a vocational issue. Someone might be here tonight in, as, we, as far as your calling is concerned. You're saying, Lord, I'm in free fall. I don't even know what to hold on to. I don't know what to flap. I don't know what direction to go. Father, I pray for every single person here tonight. You know their heart. You know their circumstance. As they find themselves in free fall, Lord, I pray that they would just take a glance to the left and right. That tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit, they would realize that you are right there. That for a time you may even be falling with them, but you're never far away. And tonight for many of them, Lord, tonight I pray that you would come in under them by the power of your Holy Spirit and they would begin to sense the strength of God. That just like the Israelites of old, Lord God, you would raise them up with wings like eagles, that they would continue to run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. Just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, everyone. Just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep your hands raised and begin to worship the Lord. I sense the Lord wants to do something. Somba lembre bisayo bromonda ki sembre disa. Hala ramando bordebre gisha. Kila ramamo sambar debrediba. Hela ramamonde bediga sondoro boshate de breginda. Ela rabababababande bediba rabababande. Come on, let's pray a bit louder in the Holy Spirit. Let's create room for God to move. Ila rama sondo branisa. Kerdana bardo brodisha lerebebebende. Brimando ya bardo rembregi salorobosa, eramba bagayende bedigarababande, eramba bababa sembregi sadorobosha, ilarabande. Someone here tonight is praying for their granddaughter or their grandson. I don't exactly know what the situation and circumstances, but their lifestyle is weighing heavy upon you. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that they begin to feel and sense that effortlessness in the Spirit as you begin to act and show yourself strong on their behalf in the name of Jesus. I sense in my heart tonight there's someone here that's busy with a big building project and things have begun to go south. You're concerned that you're not going to have enough money to finish it and you're concerned whether you'll even be able to use this builder until the end. The Lord is about to swoop in underneath you and take up the battle 
settle on your behalf. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you that that vision will be completed. In the name of Jesus, I speak provision, finance, and wisdom in the name of Jesus over that situation. Someone here tonight is busy with an immigration application and there's been continuous delays, delays that are inexplicable and you're saying to yourself, God, when are you going to come through? The Lord is saying to you tonight that the fact that it's being delayed is God coming through for you. It is not the right time. This is not the time that God is calling you to leave right now. And you might even be on television and you might be listening to this. The reason it's being frustrated is actually the hand of God over the situation. There's someone here tonight that is coming through infidelity. You're coming through infidelity. I don't even know if you're married or if you're engaged, but you're dealing with a pain and hurt, a betrayal, and you're wondering, should I should I run with this? Is God going to fix this? The Lord says to you tonight that I am a restorer, that the Lord is going to restore this. The enemy has tried to use it to destroy your life and theirs, but God is going to mend it. You find yourself in a free fall and you're saying, Lord, I'm not in the emotional position to make a good decision. What should I do? What should I do? The Lord has given you instruction tonight and guidance. He is going to restore the situation. Now, Father, I speak life. I speak restoration. I speak forgiveness. I speak redemption. I speak humility over the situation right now. In Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Can someone say thank you, Lord Jesus? Let's give God a hand of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you are here tonight and you've never made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, it would be remiss of me to close this service without dealing with the most important issue at hand. And that is to make sure that it is well with your soul. That you know you're going to heaven. That you know your heart is right with God. So I want to pray a simple prayer with you this, this evening. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to go to where you are. I just simply want you, I want to lead you in a prayer. So if that's you here tonight and you say, Pastor Andre, please pray for me. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hands. At the count of three, one, two, three. Right now, raise your hand in the air. God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. Raise your hand. Keep it high in the air. Don't raise it up and put it down. Keep your hand in the air. Say, Pastor Andre, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Keep your hand raised. Now, for the benefit of those who have their hands raised, and even for those of you online, for the benefit of those who have their hands raised, I want everybody, please, to pray this prayer after me. Let's pray this prayer together. Everybody say this. Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, I am a sinner. I've messed up. I've missed the mark. But I know that Jesus, you died for me. You paid the price for my sin so that I could be right with God. Father, tonight, 
I ask that you would forgive me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save my life. I forgive everyone who's ever harmed me because tonight I've received your forgiveness. I believe you died for me and rose again. From this moment on, I declare with my mouth and believe with my heart that you are Lord of my life. Come on, let's give God a wonderful hand of praise. I'm gonna hand over to the venue host at this point in time. And so for those of you that are in the service and receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, won't you please take the second step? Stand to your feet and go with those folks that prayed with you. We've got some critical next steps that we wanna share with you that'll help you grow in Jesus. So please won't you do that right now? Come on, whether it's a rededication or a first time, let's give the Lord a great hand of praise for each and every person that has committed their heart to Jesus. And now a special invitation for those of you that were here for the very first time tonight. We're so glad you joined us. Why don't you come to our Connection Center after the service. We have a venue dedicated just to receive you, connect with you and find out if there's any way that we could better serve you. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet right now? I just wanna pray a blessing over you as we go into this week. Um, we're gonna trust the Lord. We're gonna trust the Lord to use us this week. Is that okay? We are glove on His hand. I mean, I don't know when the last time was that you actually focused on the people that the Lord has actually assigned for you to minister to while you live your life. When was the last time you gave a thought to, Jesus, who will you use me to bless today? That's what I want to be in the forefront of your mind as I pray this prayer with you, amen? To, much as, to whom has been received much, should we, give, we should give much, right? So let's give out this week. Father, I bring these precious saints before you right now. We are a formidable force. We are an army and our weapon is love. Use us this week some way, somehow, to give an encouraging word to someone, perhaps even to pray with someone in need or maybe even bless someone this week, Lord. But help us to shine your light. We're not hidden under a basket. We're on a hill, we're a city on a hill. And this week we, de we declare that's exactly the way we're going to live. And everybody said, amen. Now, if you believe that. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.